Hello, this is the 215 Podcast. Aaron Portsline here in snowy central Ohio. Tom Reed is in New York uh, after last night's victory in the garden. Tom, say hello to the fine folk. Hello, fine folk. Alex, central Ohio as well, bracing for a huge game on Thursday. Uh, Allison, say hello. The people out there are looking for you. Hello to the people out there. Um, well, we've been away from you for a bit, technical difficulties, <laughs> um, any level <laughs> continuing. Um, but it's great. We've got so much to, to, uh, discuss here with these blue jackets, officially the hottest team in the national hockey league, nine straight wins, the second longest in franchise history. They of course won 16 in a row last year. Um, wow. They now look, uh, not just in the standings, but on ice, like a playoff team. And I just sort of want to go to both of you first and discuss this. They've been an on-again, off-again sort of flirtatious group with, with their their level of play most of the year, hanging around because the rest of the Metro really didn't get going. But now they've made a charge. Now they look like a much different team. They're playing better now than they have at any point of the season, clearly, even early on when they started 19-10-1. and uh, this comes as a bit of a surprise for some, I'm guessing. And, and I want to get your guys' thoughts just to where this team is at and the move that they've made here since the trade deadline. Yeah, I, I, there's no question. I, I, when I left the arena, I can't remember what night it was when they lost to the Penguins. Yeah. I thought they were in serious trouble. Now, of course, it, it helped that there was still plenty of time left in the season. And the fact is, you just mentioned it earlier, the best thing they had going for them, it was the bottom of the Metro. And really, you know, Florida wasn't even on the scene yet. None of these teams were winning. So they, it allowed the Columbus to stay in the race. But ever since, you know, ever, ever since they've started putting together wins here, you just see the confidence and the chemistry uh, growing with this team. And I really, you guys, we, we had the podcast, I think it might have been our last podcast. Uh, we, we talked about, you know, whether they were a playoff team. And I said, I don't know I, I, when they went, went out west. Listening to some people last night talk about the how important mentally that win in San Jose was to get this streak started, and ever since then they've just continued to roll, and it's it's been amazing to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think it's uh, it's funny because it it feels like this is the team that we thought we would see all season. Um, you see guys fulfilling a lot of expectations, I think, both individually and collectively. And, and, and it's a weird feeling because, you know, we're supposed to believe what's put in front of us, not what we expect. So um, we struggled through a long stretch there with this group, but they're finally doing what I think everyone expected them to do and, and could not be doing it at a better time. I mean, it, even compared to the excitement of last year and 16 straight the team fell off from that energy as we all know and coasted there through the end and, and had a quick exit. And this is a group that is primed to have their engines at full speed when the postseason hits. And, and it looks like they've secured a spot in that somewhere up and down the, the ranking. We don't know for sure yet, but it, it looks pretty secure at this point. Yeah. Interesting time. You mentioned the San Jose game. And it did feel like the third game of the season when they were Oh, and two, mm getting ready to go out on the road and they had Chicago at home back when Chicago was a, a frightful bunch and hung on to win that game. And then from there, it started to bloom a bit. 
sometimes all it takes is that spark. We, you know, uh, Artemi Panarin, since the trade deadline, 12 games, 8, 10, 18 plus 80. Of course, had the hat trick last night, second career hat trick. I believe both are against the New York Rangers. Yes. <laughs> um, Seth Jones has been a monster all season, 6, 6, 12 in nine games. Uh, plus seven since the trade deadline. He's, of course, missed the last three games with an upper body injury. But what's changed here is the the what be the lead cast is now what we would think of as the supporting cast. Cam Atkinson, 6'7", 13, plus nine in those 12 games since the deadline. Artemi, or sorry, Alexander Winberg, 2'8", 10, plus 11 in 11 games since the trade deadline. Now, not, a, not everything's changed. He has eight shots on goal in those 11 games. Bless him. Uh, Boone has awakened five, four, nine plus nine in 12 games. This is what's changed. And I'm not sure that some of these guys, I I think three weeks ago would not have been sure that some of these guys could get it together. They were just so caught up in their own struggles with it. Tell me what's changed for these guys. Is it, is it just, I don't know. They they they're finally waking up. It's the numbers correcting themselves. Have their games changed at all? What are you guys seeing? No, I think I think you have to you have to give Yarmo a lot of credit and and whoever went out and got those moves. I don't think they do this if if they did not make the moves that they made at the deadline. I think everything has kind of made sense. Cole has brought that whole group. They've all played well. I mean, ever since Cole has come, David Savard has rediscovered his game. He's playing well. They, they, their lineup makes sense. They're missing their "quote unquote" Norris Trophy. Well, not "quote unquote" their Norris Trophy candidate, and they've won three in a row. Yeah, I mean they, they are. Cole has settled the group down and back. Vanek has come in, and I, I was not a fan of that trade. Just truth be told, right off the bat, I'm like, this guy's he moves around all the time. He's been wonderful for them, I and mean, he's given them that other line we were talking about with Wenberg and and with um, Jenner. Jenner, I mean. That, that all of a sudden they have a second line and, and, and Latestu has solidified the fourth line, but they've started winning and there's confidence. And then that's where we get into, wow, there's, there's, there's Wenberg, there's Cam Atkinson, you know, just a little belief sometimes is a yeah. powerful, powerful thing. And this is a very loose group that believes that they're going to win a games again. Yeah. Tom, to your point, Vanek three, five, eight plus eight, uh, with the Blue Jackets, that's in 11 games. And further, David Savard, this is the old David Savard, plus 12 in 12 games since the trade oh. deadline, since Ian Cole came aboard. Crazy. He's blocking. Uh, Allison, you're Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything Tom said, and I think the, the flip that we've touched on before, too, is it's also the moves they didn't make. Um, you know, Tom wrote on this, I believe, about the the feeling of kind of trepidation and nervousness that was in that room. Um, because guys didn't know they were going to stay. And we haven't really talked about for these, for these veterans, a lot of these guys are the guys that went the really bad year when management came down and said, you've got to prove to us who you are, because this is just an inconsistent group and we don't know who you are anymore. And so to, to again, perhaps be faltering against expectations early. I, I mean, on a human level, you can understand how that creates some nervousness. And so I think, bringing in the talent they brought coupled with the front office saying we do believe you guys can do this um, for a group that isn't tested in these kinds of situations yet year after year 
it, it just allowed them to release a lot of the emotional energy and, and just play and, and clearly play to their potential. Yeah. And to your point, Allison, you know, if you're going to have the youngest team in the NHL, there has to be a willingness to put up with some of the, the wild inconsistencies and the struggles. Now, some of these guys have played a lot of games. They don't feel like young players anymore, but how many people were clamoring a month ago, right. just get rid of Wenberg. Just, yeah. just dump him. Just get rid of that stupid contract, right? I mean, he, there has to be some stick to it, stick-to-itiveness if you're in that seat. The one guy that has not gotten going really at any point this season, but certainly not since the, the trade deadline when the rest of the team took off, is Brandon Dubinsky. 11 games, zero points, minus two rating. Um, healthy scratch last night in New York, first time in his Blue Jackets career, probably the first time in his entire NHL career he's been a healthy scratch. Um, a stunning, another stunning uh, development with Brandon Dubinsky this this season, and not for the better. Tom, you were there. Sort of paint the the picture for us and how Tortorella reached this. Well, decision. I think it really you, you go back the, the night before uh, they they won in Boston in overtime, and you know had they not pulled that game out, uh, you know it was a game they probably didn't deserve. I, I was was I think we Aaron you and I were talking about this before. I had te- attended to ask uh, Torts about Dubinsky. I mean, you just you can see his game has just really kind of declined. I mean, when he first came back uh, from the injury and then obviously missing uh, a game there for personal reasons, um, I thought he played pretty well. I thought he, he looked a little like the old Brandon Dubinsky. Still wasn't any, anywhere near. Are you there, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. There was a spark there when he first came back. Oh, oh spark. <laughs> Anyway, yes, there was a spark. There was a spark when Dubinsky <laughs> came back, and but but it is it is it is kind of faded, and he's not playing well. He's and it's not just that he isn't scoring, but he just hasn't been the impactful player along the wall that we're used to seeing, and that that, that, that fans you know have really enjoyed over the years when he got here. And it's it, it's been a struggle, and it to me it was it's, it was no surprise. It really wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I I think when. Tom and I were talking about this a little bit last night after the news came out. And, you know, what really stands out to me is if, if you look at, at underlying numbers like I often do, you know, Dubinsky has been the classic defensive center in his ability to suppress opponents' shots and therefore their offense at just this, such a strong rate. Um, and, and this year has been his worst performance there. He's not even – he's closer to 40% than he is to 50%. So he's not even – hitting an average mark there. And, and for a guy who play, that's the hallmark of how Brandon Dubinsky plays um, is to limit the other team to get under the skin of the under, other team. And, and to everything Tom said that that has stood out to me at an alarming rate. Of course it declines as players get older a little bit, but this is just such a significant drop for him. And when you compare it to every other player finding a way to get going, we know Torts has a ton of loyalty and, and emotion for Brandon Dubinsky, but he, we also know he has to make the decisions he thinks help this team have the best chance to win. And Dubinsky's game is not there right now. He just, he, he hasn't been able to find it where he's to the level where he's usually been. I asked Torts last night and this was, this was kind of where I was going, going to go the night before. I mean, 
I think Torts waited as long as he could. For sure. I think he waited as long as he could. And you, it, you know it hurts him. Now, this, this again, he did scratch him on the U.S. Uh, Team USA in the World Cup. He scratched both him and Jack Johnson. So we've always known that Torts doesn't play favorites. But this is different. This is, this is with your club team. At a, at a time of year, this is in, in August, this is in the heat of the playoff race where, uh, to speak to Allison's point, this is where you kind of expect Brandon Dubinsky to be, you know, kind of at that, at his best in the kind of the things that he does. Yeah, and, and not there. Um, I mean, I guess there's a couple ways to look at it. Is scratching him against the Rangers more of a message? Is it part of the message from Tortorella or do you think it it purely was just this is the time it has to happen and it this makes it even harder I think that part, part of, of it is I mean it's certainly from the outside looking in like wow he did this against the Rangers uh that's his team that he grew up with right. who where he re- continues to remain a fan favorite for his years of service there but I do think part of it was that he couldn't wait any he felt he couldn't wait any longer and he has guys that he wants to get in the lineup to see what they do. Uh, we've, you know, we've all heard him say this the last couple of weeks. I'm not waiting anymore. I'm not going to be having long conversations with players right now. We need you to go. And if you're not going, you're not going to be in the lineup. And to his credit, I, I think probably other players saw it and they're like, all right, George, what do you, mm-hmm. what, you know, we, we've seen you do this with Cam Atkinson. We know you were thinking about doing this with Felino. We saw you do it with almost do it with Saad last year. What's going to happen? And, and he did it. And, and we'll see. I, you know, I, and to, to answer your second part of the question, I don't know where it's going to go. I would su- suspect at some point this weekend we see Dubinsky again. The question becomes what response, what response does he get? Yeah, I, I actually yeah. don't. I mean, for the, all the things Tom just cited about how Torts is acting right now, I, I don't know that there was an extra message in New York, at, at least in my opinion. I mean, look at the choices that this coaching staff is going to have to make in the next few weeks when Seth Jones hopefully returns healthy, oh. when, when Josh Anderson returns healthy. I, I mean, I, I asked I asked someone last night, when does Brandon Dubinsky get back in this lineup? Because right now, and, and Tortorella can say whatever he wants, but we know he's looking at, at where this team is sitting. And He's got to do the best he can to get them in the best position possible. And the kid gloves are off. And and this is going to be tough decision after tough decision. And what a what a luxury of tough decisions to make. But um, I, I think he he had to do this to to fight for this team to be at their very best when they need to be at their very best. And the and of course the other you know Brandon was playing on a line with the second center. Right. Correct. Correct. So, so Latestu can always go in there. So you already have an extra center. So people might be thinking, well, Anderson's a winger when Anderson's a wing. You know, no, they've they've got other players, and we we know that Luke, uh, Lucas Sedlak can play on the wing too. So they've got some versatility. Where if they decide, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna go this way, they don't necessarily need Brandon Dubinsky. And I think all of us might agree, another bad sign for for Brandon um, over the last week or two was all of a sudden Brandon always was that guy at the end of games that closed out games, right? He was that guy that they, that Torts trusted and to, to see, you know, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois on the ice at the end of games, taking faceoffs. That's, that was a, that's, that, that's a departure from, from, from what they've, what they've seen here in the past. 
Yeah. And you know what? To even taking him off out of center ice and putting him on the wing, full marks for Mark Letestu, you know, how we feel about Mark Letestu. He shouldn't be supplanting Brandon Dubinsky from right. center ice on the fourth. Yeah. Right. I mean, that him losing late game faceoff. This has been a gradual progression to last night. I, I do think though, I, I mean, maybe this well, is, maybe this is a sign off season here for Dubinsky. We know all the stuff that he's been through. We don't need to rehash this. But he is the one guy who is well, not the one guy, but a guy who is wired in the way of you know me against the world. Yeah. Bring it, where I think they need him. Maybe he's not in against Florida. I can't imagine he's out of the lineup much longer. Than that um, a because of the way he's wired, but also let's just be honest here. He's the fourth highest paid guy in the yeah. team. Um. And almost six million bucks a year. Ownership does not anywhere. It's not just a Columbus thing. They don't look kindly upon a six million dollar guy sitting. So I don't think he's out long, but he absolutely has to be better or he'll be back right back out again. Um Seth Jones, three games now he's been out. We think it's a rib. We think it's from the the cross check he took just after scoring the OT goal cool. against Colorado. Um the club has not said that. All they've said is upper body. Um, the fact that the fact that they continue to win with him out of the lineup, he's really been their most most consistently good player all year. I think even more than Panarin, who's who's had a couple of downs stretches at the start and maybe midseason, where Jones has just been awesome. Um, incredible that they've continued to play at this pace. It speaks to their depth. Uh, what do we know about injury? What are we thinking here in terms of how the Blue Jets should handle this? The rest of the way, I, eight games to go before the regular. I think they they did. They're in a great situation right now. I mean, they're they've got, you know, what what six points on Florida if they win uh, on Thursday. Then they're finally they, they would they would go to eight. Uh, they're heck they're closer to second than anything right now. So I think they they have bought themselves some time with 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 him. I don't know if it is a rib injury. He's going to deal with it the rest of the season. There's no question about that. But. I would give him as much time to rest as possible because they're playing so well. Uh, Nudovara has been terrific since coming back in the lineup, two goals in the last three games. And Murray, the, the, the entire Murray-Tortorella dynamic is, is I don't want to say it's, it's fun to watch because, I mean, you know, there's no question Murray wants to prove himself. But the, the, the pleasure that Tortorella loves saying – I know he's really pissed off at me. He's really not happy with me. And, and Murray goes out and continues to play well. He, he play, I thought he played well again last night. So uh, they, they went out and made these, these deals. They have 900 defensemen, and right now the guys are playing pretty well in the, in the back end. Yep. Not, nothing to add there. That's exactly it. Okay. I'm, I'm waiting for Murray to say, you know, uh, towards me being pissed off at you, right. <laughs> You know what? You know what? It kind of reminds me of. Uh, uh, I literally forgot your name for a second, Aaron. <laughs> I literally, uh, literally, completely almost called you Brian. What it reminds me of a little bit. You have a, you have a long. Well, you know, I, between that and and Allison's husband John, I <laughs> get names mixed up. 
what it reminds me of a little bit, it, you know, we probably shouldn't be making light of this because I'm sure players might occasionally listen to a little bit of it, but it does remind me a little of Hitch and Michael Pekka. Remember, they, they were kind of, there were times where they were almost like an old married couple at, at each other. And they, did, they did not mind just throwing little jabs out there. And Torch seems to like to throw little jabs out at Murray. And, and to Murray's credit, he's responding. He said, you know, you know what? This is what I'm doing right now, and he's playing well. And, he, and that was an incredible, incredible. Let, let's, I know we're talking about the Ranger game, and we're talking about the streak in general. But the game in Boston, that game doesn't turn around unless Ryan Murray has a perfect slot pass mm. over to Sonny Milano that gets them back to 3-2 at the end of the second period that gives them a lifeline back into that game because they were going nowhere. And Beautiful. Murray has made a couple of those type of plays, you know, including on the winner that night, uh, that has showed that that Brian Murray's still a darn good hockey player, and, and you know that to that point, Tom, that's one of the things I love about Murray's response in all this is that he's fired up. I think he has been fired up <laughs> going back to camp, <laughs> but um, he's fired up, but he is channeling it in exactly the right way. He's not yeah. trying to do something he can't do or be something he can't be. This is a player who, I, I mean, I, I still go back to every time I talk about Ryan Murray, I go to his pinpoint stretch pass to Ryan Johansson against Arizona um, back in 13-14, and it was just incredible. And then that's who Ryan Murray is, is he is a vision, a player with vision. He's an excellent passer. He's a calm player, and he is channeling that to its highest degree right now to the benefit of the team, right? He's not trying to be somebody else. No. He's, just, he's just elevated his strengths so so well and that's what i like to see yep i i I absolutely agree and and the thing is is murray won't say anything bad right (laughs) that's not the issue murray's like we're just not talking about it it's like it's like torch is prodding him and he and murray won't take the bait he's he's not happy but all he does is go out and play well recently he's like bob hartley just staring straight ahead at the face-off during calgary vancouver (laughs) god um, Tom, Michael Pekka, Ken Hitchcock. Oh. It's a funny story. Uh, Hitch wins his 500th yes. game. Yes. Pekka presents him with a congratulations in the room. Everybody celebrates. That's great. Hey, Tom, you're trying to get Pekka going on this um, the next day, trying to get him to say something nice about Hitch. And finally, he stops and says to you. I don't remember, Aaron. It is your, your name is Aaron. What was <laughs> You tell me the story. I was in Toronto. Also, I remember. Um, well, I know the game was in. Well, go ahead, tell me. I'll, I'll tell you if it's true. It's not. Oh God. Are you there? What is oh, it? Oh yeah. But you, well, you, well, you, 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 you can't leave it. the audience hanging. What did he say? I've said. We right. can't. It cut out, Aaron. It cut out. Oh, oh Jesus! It's he says it's not like we gave him a <laughs> Grammy. That's right. Yes, yes, very good. No, that was worth it. That was worth. That was good. Yes, yes, that is true. It, it was. It was. Those two were wonderful together. They were, uh, and I just love that Torch. Torch just keeps poking at Murray. He, even the Kepi the other day, like, oh, he had that stupid hat on. But I, I do want to tell people because this was. This did. Uh, I will say this: being here in New York and in Boston. Uh, the players got a real charge out of Torch, you know, kind of ripping up. They think it's more of a kind of a term of endearment. He's not – he's just for listeners and 
breeders like why are they ripping why is he ripping on the cat this is just this is how torts is wired right you know he's uh, felino was just absolutely laughing about the whole thing the other day he's like torts doesn't care because he wants to see that kepi all the time because that means we're winning so, it's just it's like when he ripped right. on what did he say about the music he wants him to play that crap music in the oh, room after oh, a game yeah. right right yeah <laughs> same this, thing yeah. This is just torts. And, and of course, he, vintage. I've never seen the Kepi. Come on. <laughs> Good yeah, God. He is, he, is, he is a beauty. And, uh, and full marks to him. One, uh, I think one thing we should mention about this is there were times I think all of us expected him to explode a couple of three, four, five weeks ago. And I'm sure there was internal pressure on individual players. I mean, let's let's not be naive about this. But he never just let this team have it a couple of weeks ago where I think a lot of people thought, where's, where's Taurus? Where? He stayed patient with the group, and they, they, they have found their way at the right time. Yeah, he never publicly no. eviscerated. And, and, and let's be honest, there, there were times that Philadelphia game, uh, the home game, and then the Pittsburgh game right afterwards, back-to-back games, maybe a little subtly different, uh, but just – there were times there where you were just waiting for old torts uh, to come out, and he hasn't been that way. And it's interesting because he keeps talking about how young this team is, young and how young and dumb the league is. And I think he understands that sometimes you just gotta. There's times where you can prod, but there are other times that you gotta back off a little bit. And I think he's done a pretty good job that way. Yeah. Interesting. What a fascinating season this has been, and it's just getting started. Uh, Columbus, dead heat points-wise with Pittsburgh. Think about that. 87 points for each of them. Um, wow. Anybody, 87 certainly rings a bell. Yeah. Pittsburgh, doesn't yeah. It? And I, Aaron, uh, I think the other thing that's interesting, this was, you know, this was, we are on a little, little past the, the one-year anniversary of the clinch, uh, of clinching the playoffs last year, and they did not handle that well. You know, I remember you writing a lot about that, that they just, they weren't a mature enough group at the time to understand that being that far out, even if you have a playoff spot wrapped up, you still have to play well going in. And I I don't feel like that's the case this year, partially because they have to keep winning. I mean, they, they, they just have to keep winning to ensure a playoff spot. But this team is going strong this time of year, where last year things were already starting to kind of fall apart a little bit. And four points with eight to play is that's that's hard to make up. But they're only four points behind yeah. Washington. Washington has the game in hand. It's it. I mean, <clears throat> you would have been run out of town if you suggested a month ago they might win the Metro. Right. Right. Now it's sniffing distance. Although, again, that would be a hard, hard uh, attack to take. Um, so yeah, I think we've touched on everything here. Uh, huge game. No one has ever put these two words to or five words together blue jackets panthers huge game but that's what thursday holds um you know it's actually bigger for florida than it is for columbus columbus can open up a huge gap on the panthers um and the panthers need that they're just below the bar one point behind new jersey for the second wild card spot so this is getting uh really really interesting at just the right time of the season uh anything no, it does, it, it does feel it does feel now more New Jersey or Florida, whereas a week, even a week ago, it was like, oh, my God, 
you know, it could be, you know, the Blue Jackets could fall out of it. It's starting to feel like it's going to be one of those two teams. It's, I think they're not to safety yet, but they're, they're getting really close. Yeah, I'm not sold on Philadelphia being okay. in yet either. I mean, Jersey's got two games in hand on Philly. Florida has three, and they're four points and five points back, respectively. And the, the Flyers have been kind of eh for a little while here. A tough one last night to yeah, lose yeah, to That's a good point, yeah. I was looking more of it from the Columbus standpoint, but you're right. Yeah, I, I think Philadelphia is kind of in that mix, too. Um, not so- uh, local hockey news, Kiefer Sherwood, good old New Albany boy, has signed with the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Or, sorry, Anaheim Ducks. <laughs> uh, two-year inch. Keep an eye on Jack Roslevic in Winnipeg, too, because he's played a big role with the really, really good Jets team uh, for the last few weeks. Allison, anything uh, to, to add? To that point, just want to shout out to the Ohio State men's hockey team that begins their NCAA fight. Uh, this weekend, first seed uh, for the first time in program history. So a huge accomplishment for them. Um, and I would also like to ensure people, mainly my husband, so I don't get yelled at, that Tom does, in fact, know his real name. Tom, what is my husband's name? You know, don't, don't put me on the spot. <laughs> really, don't, do not put me on it. I, I know it's not John. <laughs> and I like your husband. I've met don't. him a couple times. He's a wonderful man. I'm just not good with names. I just, you know. <laughs> Uh, ask Dave Molinari. Uh, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good with names at the time. But yeah, yeah I I, it's, I know it's Stephen. Look, I'm playing around here. It's, it's Stephen. But well, for Alicia Lucan and Todd Reed, this is Aaron. Thanks for joining us on the Two One Five podcast, and we will be back to you very soon. Thanks so much. <laughs>